Good evening, ladies, and thank you for tuning in to The Ladies' Pad, where we have real and raw conversations about everything woman and those things in between. I'm your host, Shalonda Sims, the first lady of Nick's Night Talk. Tonight, The Ladies' Pad welcomes our guest, Dr. Latarsha Holden, and tonight she'll be talking to us about surviving in the times of uncertainty. Welcome, Dr. Holden, to The Ladies' Pad, and thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, Dr. Holden, will you share a little about your background and then tell us what surviving in the times of uncertainty means? Okay, well, I'm a native of Atlanta, Georgia, so I'm born and raised here in the ATL. I come from, well, just briefly, a two-parent household, and I just got off track. You know, I dropped out in the 10th grade had four children by the time I was 22. And when I was 35 years old, I found myself homeless in the streets of Atlanta with six children, uneducated and underemployed. So it was definitely a, a journey. It was a journey to change my mindset. I mean, come on, 35 years old, you pretty much kind of set in, in a certain mind frame. And so for me, that probably was the hardest about my journey. So within the last 10 years, I went from being homeless in the streets of Atlanta to run for city council in 2017, from a GED to a doctorate in leadership studies, became a 12-time published author, and I just released my first Christian comic book two months ago. And so, yeah, that's just a little snippet, of, but it definitely was uh, the hardest time of my life working my way up from Walk Out. Wow. You know, I've been following you for a long time. <laughs> I, I have, and it is just amazing. It, it's amazing when you see one that overcomes so many obstacles, so many challenges. You know, not saying that it was always easy, but just to see someone that has gone through it and where you are today. Yeah. So when I saw surviving in the times of uncertainty, and I was thinking about like everything that I know from what you share in the public mm -hmm. realm, the uncertainty is almost like you were built, for lack of better words, in your life. It's like how some people just kind of would, would fold in the midst of going through, but you survived it. And so when you're talking about surviving in the times of uncertainty, I'm assuming that part is talking about like the COVID-19, like what's happening now. So talk to me more in detail about what you mean when you say surviving in the times of uncertainty. Sure. And I think that title, of course, like you said, it, it does tie into COVID-19. I think we're all trying to survive in times of when we don't know what's going to happen from day to day. And so I tied that theme in with being homeless in the streets of Atlanta. We talking about cars, shelters, maybe one or two times with my sisters, uh, abandoned house, living in squatters. Matter of fact, when I rolled in college, we was living in a board of house as squatters. And it's weird because I did not set out to do anything great. I didn't. I just knew that I had 12 eyes watching me. And I, here I was, a black woman at 35 years old, with a GED, basically no work history, and I got these kids, and I didn't know how to 
saved my family. When we was in that board up house, I was scared. And how I became homeless right fast. It wasn't drugs or alcohol. I left abusive marriage after 10 years. And by the time that marriage had ended, the mental and emotional and verbal abuse had wore on me so bad that when it was over, I didn't even know who I was. I knew I was a walking shell of a person. I didn't know who I was. I didn't. So when that ended, I just thought my, we was homeless. The guy went his way, we went ours. And I was scared, I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, statistically on paper, there was no way a family of seven supposed to have made it out. But this is how I saved my children. I'm thinking of suicide because I, as I'm an ordained pastor, but I have to pose this question whenever I go speak. What happens when your struggle outlasts your strength? We all know we can get through something. Yeah, you know, for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, you might even can struggle a little bit for the three, four, six months. But what happens when your struggle lasts years? And so in my case, the struggle got so bad, I started contemplating suicide. I mean, I rolled in college when I was home. So here I am now, four-time student, six kids. And it was one thing I could say to keep myself sane. I got six kids I got to keep from the drugs, the gangs, you know, the street life, jail. But I remember coming to my six children 12 years ago. And at that time, I had two in high school, two in middle school, and two in elementary. And I came to them. I said, well, if I can teach you. And to me, this is the God and the truth. I already felt humiliated as a mom. You know, I just felt humiliated for my kids. And here I am talking to them about legacy. Here I am talking to them about serving others. I gave my children the only thing I possess. I told them, I said, I don't have a lot to offer you all material. I said, but what I do have to give, to love you unconditionally, and I want to show you all how to serve at our Lord, I believe I've given you all a strong foundation to build on to become great leaders. And at that time, they didn't really want to hear that crap. I'm just going to be on these mm-hmm. kids, high school, middle school. They were like, what are you talking about? We don't have anything. <laughs> right, right. They wanted some physical, material stuff. And that's what made it so embarrassing. I, I mean, I gave them the only thing I had. And I was so embarrassed. I'm like, oh, my God. And so we did events in the community around Hurricane Katrina time. and got the newspaper art. God has always had media following me. That That's the... That's the weird way he's done me. Have always had me somewhere where, and I don't know if he do that for proof. I don't even know how people can tell you all kinds of stories and make up stories and people didn't know me. Right. I was a homeless, but out of my surprise, they came to me one by one. And this is how I say my six children. As a minister, I do believe that ministry starts in the home first, then you go outward. They came to me one by one. My son has seen you in high school, said mother, by what you showed me, my well serving is joining the United States Marine Corps. He just retired after 10 and a half years. Now he's a second year college student pursuing a bachelor's in business. A daughter came to me and said, my well giving back by what you showed me is going to the medical field. She's an EMT, a licensed pharmacy tech, and she's in college pursuing her bachelor's in human services. Another daughter came and said, well, mama, by what I took from the message that you showed me, I want to go into the human service field. She graduated in May with her bachelor's in human services, and she joined the United States Army two years ago. My daughter, that's 19 years old, she became a two-time Christian published author by the time she was 15. 
919. She just launched a whole children's brand with t-shirts, books, and everything. Her second t-shirt line, and she's a spoken word artist speaking out on injustice in the community. Another son's a caretaker. And my last child, so this is the last. His name is Omega. He's the last and the end. Omega will be 18 in two weeks. Now, I told him, the one for COVID, when he turned 18, I was supposed to be at the airport somewhere with a little baby roller bag heading to the beach, you know, because I don't raise six kids. Everybody be 18, you know, I, you know, but that's how I was able to save my six children. But the journey got so hard. I remember walking to a hospital in Riverdale, Georgia, and I went into the hospital and I told the lady, I said, ma'am, I don't think I could do this anymore. She said, ma'am, are you saying you want to commit suicide? I said, yes, ma'am, I, 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 I can't do it. Cause I was so embarrassed with my kids, and I know they was kind of embarrassed a little bit of me, cause we just struggled so much. And on that, they kept me for a week for observation, and they had a room on that floor that was a padded room. And I remember going to the lady out at the desk. I said, "Ma'am, can I go into that room?" I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't know God. I was saved, but I never developed a personal relationship with Him. And the lady said, "Ma'am, you don't have to go into that room. You're no threat to anyone." I said, "I know, but I just need to go in there." Every day I was there for that week, I would go into that room once a day, drop down to my knees and cry out, God, are you there? Please help me. I don't know what to do. I don't have anything. I'm lost. And when I left out of that hospital, things did not change immediately. But I knew something had was, was different. Before I knew it, I had matriculated through college with my associates, my bachelor's, my MBA, but when I got accepted into the PhD program for leadership studies, now I did want to bungee jump up to heaven and high five my man, but it was, I tell you, the mental shift, it almost killed me. I think that was probably the harder part of my journey, transforming my mindset to see myself the way God saw me. I remember people asked, you know, when I'm being interviewed, Dr. Holden, let me ask you this. Like I said, I didn't set out to do anything. I just knew I had a moral duty. Nelson Mandela said, how could he enjoy the limited freedom that he had when his sisters and brothers were not free? So I made a vow when he was homeless. I said, God, if you get me out of homelessness and hopelessness, I go back and fight for others. Which led me to run for city council in 2017 here in Atlanta. When I saw my brothers and sisters walking the streets of Camerton Road and other streets in Atlanta the look on their face that I used to have of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. and, and I just knew that after liberating my family, I had to go back and try to fight for others. And so that's how I led that me run for city council. Then I said, okay, well, another way I can fight for people is through writing. And so I became a 12-time published author within a year and a half. I wrote my life story for children. So now I'm doing a holistic approach. I wrote my life story. I wrote four children's books to read the little kids in the house to teach diversity and kindness and friendship. Then I want to teach reach the youth that's from 11 to 14. So I wrote a four-part youth series that teach sex trafficking, teen dating violence, bullying, love and forgiveness. Then I wrote a book for ministry, a poetry book. Now I want to go back and say the moms and dads. So I wrote a 60-page training manual workbook where I showed the seven pillars that I put into place to start the mentorship. And so that that I'm always looking for ways that I can go back, inspire, 
give somebody hope or encourage them to change the narrative for their life as well. Oh, that's good. And it's to be commended. You know, and I, I was just sitting here listening to you, and every time I hear your story, I hear something different. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And tonight, I'm hearing perseverance. You know, in spite of what we may be going through and what it looks like, there is a plan. There is a plan. We just have to keep going. And for you to be able to be so transparent, oh my God, you know, a lot of us struggle with just being transparent about some smaller things. But you are like an open book. You just don't mind. And it is such an honor to even know you, you know, to be able to say, hey, she has poured into my life. So I don't take that for granted. And it makes me think about, like, biologically, I have two children. And there was a time when, before I had my second child, that I was out there and just trying to find my way. And... You get labels. People start mm-hmm. to label you, and sometimes you try to live up to them. Sometimes, you know, it's just like whatever. But one thing I know is that because of the things that I went through with my kid, it's helping me to help my daughter with her son and the things okay. that she's going through. And so to hear your story, it, it just gives me the strength to continue with her on her journey because sometimes it's easier for us to say that you're going to be fine without saying hey I've been there done that you know I'm talking to you from experience you know what I'm saying and so with that being said this COVID-19 right Mm -hmm. tell me how has this you know affected you well to be honest several, several things 2020 has been good to me in spite of that's the crazy part about it i became georgia mother of the year for 2020 i made united states history by becoming national mother of the year while i represent the millions of mothers around the world i'm the 85th woman to ever hold that title look at god look look at god because i'm like okay god all the kids are grown this year you know i had started to set my itinerary to travel the world as an inspirational speaker to get out, you know, I'm like, okay, the things I couldn't do because I had kids, but that, that now I just got to reroute some stuff. I thought, okay, how are we going to do this or do that? Now, I am grateful. I just have one son, he'll be a senior. My last child will make him. He'll be a senior this year. And I'm, I'm honest, my heart goes out to the parents who have little kids that are in school. I can't even imagine having little kids in school. You got to work and who's going to homeschool your kids? But for me, it just have made me link in more, trust God. And that's how I came up with my comic book. You know, because I'm like, okay, how can I inspire people that God is with us? And so I just came up with a creative way to send a positive message. And I created my first Christian comic book to do that. And that's how I'm always looking for ways to, to show love, to encourage, to give hope. And so for, for me, it's, I'm going to be honest, it's, God has really shown me, it's, it's, it's been a good year for me in spite of also 
I'm an outreach ministry person, so I like to be out with the people. So that right there is kind of different for me. I don't, I'm getting used to this zooming on all the interviews I'm on and different things, but I'm like, God, I like to be out touching the people's lives, going to downtown, talking with the homeless, you know, just sharing. And so for me, that would probably be the biggest thing that's a little different for me, not being able to reach the people physically the people who I feel don't have access to internet. But it definitely has been a year where God has shown. This how I know it's God. 12 years ago, I was a homeless woman in the streets of Atlanta. No one knew my name but the welfare office. 12 years later, the year I raised all of my children and everyone 18 to 31, I become Georgia Mother of the Year and, not, and make United States history. To me, that honor comes from God. That's like a well-done daughter. You know, only God can take someone who nobody knew to now making history where now I represent the mothers around the world. Only God can do something like that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He's my connection. Even when I ran for office, I was the underdog in the race. I didn't have a campaign manager. I didn't have any endorsements. It was eight of us in the race. But I had withstood the fire. You know, when I came, when I started out on my home, homeless journey in 2007, I went in and burning fight. By the time I ran for city council in 2017, I was the rock. You know, I had been through the Persian, I didn't care who talked about me. See, God had stripped and burned all that off me. You know, I, I've been rejected. Family members laughed at me. So by the time I ran for city council, I was ready to face anybody that was coming against me that was opponent in that race because I knew that I was there to stand for the homeless community, lack of affordable housing, and, and job programs so my sisters and brothers can regain a sense of dignity about their life as well. But 2020 overall for me, just for me, and maybe because I've been homeless and I've been in the dark, it, is, it didn't rattle me too much. But God is showing me that even in the midst of uncertainty, he still can bless you. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, how can people get a hold of you? I'm on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, the major ones, Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm a workshop facilitator for personal and professional development, a personal development coach. So I do coaching sessions. And I'm an inspirational speaker. So anybody got events coming up, please reach out to me. My website is info. So that's drlatarshaholden.info. You can reach me at 404-838-9587 or you can email me at latarshaholden at yahoo.com. Awesome. I am so excited. I am so honored to have you again. And I know the ladies are going to enjoy this call. It's just a privilege to know you, like seriously. And there's no fluff and all that kind of stuff. I don't believe in fluffing. Growing up, yeah. my grandparents used to say, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. You know, and, you know, just be <laughs> the truth. So, I'm real, yeah, real down-to-earth type person. And, you know, like I said, I don't have all that fluff. I'm going to tell you, if I enjoy your vibe, then I do. If I don't, I'll deal with you. 
You know, this, yeah, I'm, this. I'm with you on that. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So thank you again, Dr. Holden, and we will put you down for part two. How about that? That sounds good. Thank you for having me. With that being said, ladies, thank you all for tuning in to another Mixed Night Talk here in the Ladies Pad. We are here every Thursday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So mark your calendars and set those alarms to make sure to meet us here next week. Until then, you all be safe and enjoy the rest of your evening.